0: Welcome to Change Nation, a program brought to you by First30Days.com. On this episode of Change Nation, Ariane talks with self development expert and best selling author Dr. Wayne
1: Dyer. Here's Ariane.
0: Welcome to Change Nation. I'm Ariane. Today we have a friend of First 30 Days, someone I interviewed about a year ago, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, we spent a little bit of time actually in Hawaii recently talking about his latest accomplishment, which is not one of, I believe, 33 books, Mm. but this is actually a movie. His latest movie, and his first movie, is called From Ambition to Meaning. And he's here with us in the studio today to talk about that movie and, I guess, anything else that's been going on in your life. Wayne, it's a pleasure to get you back.
1: Nice to be back with you. Nice to see you. Really beautiful.
0: (laughs) So, Wayne, ambition to meaning. My first question is, What's the definition of ambition, and is ambition a bad thing that we want to move away from it? Mm.
1: I don't think it's bad, necessarily. Um, I think it's about uh, the shift from ambition to meaning is really about uh, having ambition about something different, Mm. rather than the ego. uh, I got this title, Ambition to Meaning, from uh, Carl Jung, uh, who was a mentor of mine and a great teacher. I was trained as a Jungian anal- analyst and so on And he talked about the morning of your life and the afternoon of your life and in the morning of our lives Like as we come into this world um, the first nine months of our lives uh, We spend uh, Doing nothing just allowing So what is there to do? <laughs> you're going to be whatever it has been decided that you're going to be whoever decides that however that gets decided Uh, And all you can do is just be at peace with it. And uh, so whatever, you know, your height and the color of your hair and the shape of your nose and everything about your physical body is all taken care of by a force that none of us know what it is, where it comes from, how it works. And we surrender to it. And then we show up, and the first uh, moment we say, Great work, God. And then we say, We'll take over from here. And in the process of taking over, um, we forget that this physical journey that was all taken care of in that moment of our conception, um, perhaps isn't the only thing that was, uh, that was there and designed for us to, uh, to become. Uh, perhaps our personality, perhaps everything that we were to, uh, to do here on this planet, perhaps we signed up for it, perhaps there's a Dharma of some kind that's a, a purpose to our lives. Um, but we forget about all of that, and we get into this stage called ambition, or what Jung called the morning of your life. And here's where we suspend who we really are, our natural uh, divine selves, this invisible st- thing that we are. I always loved T.S. Eliot's line. He said, we shall not cease from exploration, mm-hmm. but at the end of all of our exploring will be to return to the place from which we originated and to know it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like that place of, uh, of perfection that allowed us to become what we are. Um, we forget that and, and, and we take on this thing called an ego where we sort of I call it edging God out we EGO. We edge God out of, a, you know, the perfection out of our lives and we start saying that who I am is not is not this divine being that I showed up here with uh, who I am is what I do What I accumulate It's my reputation. It's separate from everybody else. It's separate from God It's like uh, I take on this thing called an ego And that's ambition. And we spend our lives, our early part of our lives, are spent in uh, training us, uh, how to get along, how to be like everybody else, uh, then going to school, and how to get better grades. And uh, you're defined on the basis of how much you make, and uh, who you're better than, and who you defeat, and all of this stuff, and what your reputation is, is the morning of our lives. And we develop certain kinds of things within our hearts telling us uh, that ambition is really important, and getting ahead, and all of that. But there's a downside to all of that as well. And the downside is, uh, you know, a lot of stress in our lives, heart attacks in our lives, uh, you know, high blood pressure and all of these kind of things. And and what I'm trying to teach people, what Jung tried to teach people, is that as you move into the afternoon of your life, it's no longer about your ego. It's no longer about what's in it for me, how much do I make, who am I better than. It's about how may I serve. It's about being more like God. My favorite quote of Einstein's, was when he was asked you know about quantum physics he said that doesn't even matter to me he said it's all details i just want to learn to think like god thinks Mm -hmm. so how does how does the source think and the source thinks in terms of offering of giving of serving and when you get your focus there you're moving from ambition into meaning so it's like you don't lose ambition but you now have ambition about being purposeful you know, I feel very ambitious in my life, but I, I love to give, I love to offer, I love to provide, I love to make a difference in the world. And I, I feel so much better than that than I do when I get a nice check or when you know people tell me nice things about myself and so on. It's about that good feeling that you get of knowing that you're making a difference. That's what it is. Yeah.
0: How did the idea to express this as a movie come from? Why not have written another book? Is this a new way that you want to reach people that might not be reading? Mm-hmm.
1: It's the excitement of trying something different and trying something new. Um, you know, in my 60s, uh, to take on a new career. I mean, lots of people do that. Uh, Louise Hay, who's my publisher and so on, started out at 60 and now she's 82 and she has the largest publishing house in the world for spiritual and uh, you know, higher consciousness materials and so on. That uh, there's all, that excitement, it doesn't go away just because this age gets put on your body. Uh, and the idea of, uh, of surrendering Of of letting go I think it has to be doable like I had two offers put on the table at the same time one was to do a television show Mm -hmm. by the people who do the Ellen DeGeneres show and so on because I do that show frequently and uh, Mm -hmm. and they called me in and they offered me you know they wanted to know what what would I be willing to do and would I be willing to move to California and would I be willing to give four days a week and whatever and I just, that's just not doable. That's uh, it doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit in with who I am at this time. And then the other offer was to do a film, which would take about a month, a month and a half, perhaps. And uh, it means getting up every morning real early and staying up very late and sitting around a lot and taking orders, but, but creating a product that, um, you know, I've written lots of books but I, I really, I mean, only 10% of the people in this country buy books. 90% of the people in the, from adulthood on never purchase a book. So you're dealing with a very small percentage of people. But people do like movies, and they go to movies, and you can reach an enormous amount. Of, I mean, with a great movie, I just saw this movie, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. I, I don't saw know. If it you, too. Did you see it's it? It's fabulous. Yeah, and it's like the yeah. idea, what, you suddenly realize that everything that happens to you when you're a child. You know, that mm-hmm. there is a force in the universe mm-hmm. and that there is something, you know, perhaps that's going to make a difference in your life. Mm-hmm. So you walk out of a movie like that. I remember the first movie I ever saw where I walked out feeling really totally motivated that I could do anything was Rocky. <laughs> so Sylvester Stallone's very first Rocky. I walked out saying, I mean, I don't care much about boxing and hitting people and all that, but... But having that inner kind of thing, and it's like that you can make a difference. And, uh, in fact, it inspired me to write erroneous songs. I mean, I just mm. felt it and I also felt that I could put that book at mm. the top of the just from a, a movie like that. So, it's, if uh, you
0: could overhear people walking out of this movie, what would you want them to be saying?
1: I recognize myself in there, or I know somebody in uh, this movie. I'm married to someone like that, or I work for someone like that. Uh, there's four stories going on in the in the film of people who are moving in their lives. It's all done very subtly uh, with great actors and a great director and a lot of vision. But each one of these stories has a... Um, has a component that it's hard to imagine anybody walking out of that movie and not saying, "That's me," or "That's my husband," or "That's my wife," or "That's my daughter," and they need to see this, because I I think if we could get the entire world uh, being more focused on serving and giving and offering and providing rather than on what's in it for me and how much can I get and uh, uh, and all of the fear that people live under, you know, I I, I expect that. I mean, I've already seen it because we're previewing the movie all over the country mm-hmm. and. Uh, They're having study groups on it, and I'm already seeing people standing up and saying, I really need my wife to see this, or I'm really this. One man stood up uh, uh, who was in his 80s and said, I was married to my wife for 30 years, and I never understood how important it was for her to be able to, she wanted to be an artist. And there's a person in the film who, uh, a woman who is so dedicated to her family and to taking care of everybody that she has lost sight of what's in there for her, what her dharma is. And he said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write my ex-wife a letter and tell her that I now really understand what it was she was trying to convey to me in all those years that I wasn't listening to how important it was for her, you know, to be able to uh, just actualize who she was as a human being.
0: What do you think is the biggest fear that gets in the way from people taking that action, leaving that job or moving or whatever it takes for them to get in touch with their their soul's longing, mm. their calling, what they ache for,
1: yeah. what is it? Well, the fear is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an inner kind of thing that we get conditioned to believe in when we start taking on our, an ego. In our lives, so it's almost—if you're going to take on an ego, which virtually everyone who's ever showed up on this planet has, except for maybe Jesus and Buddha and perhaps you know Muhammad or Zoroaster or a few others—but all the rest of us came in this way, where we took on this this idea that who I am is what I have and what I do and what my reputation is, so that when I when when what I do is taken away. Or what I have is taken away, or the danger of it might be taken away, or people might not like me, uh, or <clears throat> or people might feel uh, that they have to criticize me, whatever it might be, then we immediately go to that place inside of us that uh, you know that, that that has that fear in it. If Emptiness. We, yeah, and if we re- if we recognize that. You know what Pierre Tellyard of Chardin said, that we are not human beings here having a spiritual experience. If we really knew it was the reverse of that, that all of us are here as spiritual beings, infinite spiritual beings, having a temporary human experience. Mm-hmm. And if we could go back to that, if we could just sort of eradicate what Muktananda called the, the, the false self, the ego, the part of us that really isn't who we are. Mm-hmm. But that who we truly are is that from which we originated, that to which we will return. That's who we are. If we could just stay with that and begin to see the unfolding of God, not just in ourselves, but in everyone that we meet and in everything that we do and in every encounter that we have, fear wouldn't be a possibility. And I, It's a part of my life's work. It's a part of my life's work to help people to see that there's nothing to be afraid of. Even with all the economic news, Tiffany and I were just talking about this in the car on the way over here with the, you know, that uh, all of the people who are having their houses foreclosed or are listening to all the bad news and so on, but within them, especially here in this country and all of that, they still, there's really nothing to fear. Really, that idea that if I don't have my job or if my house is taken or whatever, that somehow that means that that uh, I have to be in, you know, I have to be in a state of worry or anxiety or... or or suicide, I mean these are all, or depression, I have to take pills for it and all of that. I mean, I've always known in my heart, I know it sounds silly, but I've always known that if everything was taken away from me, you know, I could still walk through grocery stores and eat the grapes that they're going to throw away. And I you know, I could still make it. You know, there's enough grocery stores where, you know, as many years as I have left, I could make it. Just, on, I mean, if you just have a knowing, you know, that you could grow you on Maui, uh, we grow some of our own food. You know, we just plant things and you pull it out of the ground. And, and there it is. It's there for you. And it, we have so much within us, so much power within us. But we always go back to that. Someone said that an acronym for fear is false evidence, appearing real. You know, it's like all of this stuff looks like it's, it's real, and it's mm-hmm. like your life is going to be demolished if, uh, if it was taken away. Mm-hmm. But almost everything that's ever been taken away from me in my life, including going through a divorce, uh, including sick, you know, having had, I had a heart attack when I was, you know, eight years ago. Yeah. And so when, I, when you start seeing things taken away from you, They've all. It's it's always made my life better. So much of the stuff that we hang on to and accumulate and feel that we have to have uh, is stuff that, that that keeps us from our authentic selves, from the highest part of ourselves.
0: I mean, we're gonna be right back. Okay. This is Change Nation. We'll be right back. This is Change Nation. I'm here with Dr. Wayne Dyer. Wayne, we asked some of our members on our website mm-hmm. um, for some questions that they wanted to direct to you. They were all very excited. Okay. So it, was har- it was hard to choose, but mm-hmm. I did choose three. So the first one is from a member called Let It Go. Mm-hmm. I like that already. And the question is, how can I believe that I'm really worth more than what I currently have? And how do I ultimately improve my self-esteem?
1: You're you're a divine creation. Why would you think that the creator, whatever the creator means to you, wherever you came from, whether that's God, whether that's spirit, whether that's divine mind, whether that's the Tao, uh, whatever you want to call that, that source of all things, the source, why would it create something that wasn't worthy? How could anyone go through their life believing that this miracle that they are, that you showed up here to become, um, is anything other than a piece of God. You must be like what you came from. Everything must be like it, what it came from. If I took my arm here and I took a needle and I took out, oh, say an ounce of blood, and they took it over and took a lab uh, to a lab and they, they looked at the lab and they said, well, your cholesterol level is 241, all right? So I, I could probably make an assumption that not only in that one ounce of blood. But in the other four quarts or five quarts of blood that I have going through me, that I also have a 241 rating. That's why we do that, because we know that you must be like what you came from. This little piece must be like the bigger piece that it came from. And that metaphor extends to you and to everyone in this world, that you, you came from source. You came from a divine place. You must be like what you came from. So what did you come from? what is the creative source look like it is always giving it is always offering it is always serving it's it's creation isn't a violent act it's an act that starts with you know with love i mean the act of creation is the act of it's why there's so many people on the planet you know there's eight billion of us or whatever there is out here now and all of us started the same way with this beautiful pleasurable way of coming into the world you are a divine creation and you therefore must be worthy. All you have to do is keep remembering that. Mm-hmm. It's about remembering. In the Course in Miracles, they speak a lot about that. It's about remembering. You know, in the prayer of St. Francis, when Francesco is praying for peace and talking to God, he doesn't say, give me some peace. I need some peace. I don't have any peace. Everywhere I go, somebody wants a miracle for me. I need peace. He says, make me an instrument of thy peace. In other words, let me remember to be like what I came from. And that's what you have to do, that's the answer to it. Be Remember to be what you came from. You are not just a piece of God, you are God. You are a divine force in this world. It's beautiful. Mm.
0: Second question is from Connor. I recently lost my very last family member. Mm. How can I still find joy and satisfaction in life if I have no one who needs me and to share the joys and sorrows of life with?
1: I assume he's speaking about the death of the body, because yeah. um, you've really lost no one. I remember that the story is told of, of Swami Muktananda, who was truly a saint who walked on this planet, had the gift of fish and loaves, could just manifest food and things like that. But, and he was leaving, he was dying, and uh, all of his devotees gathered around and they were just praying with them, please don't leave, please don't leave, and he looked up at them and his last words he said was, don't be silly, he said, where would I go? <laughs> if there's no place to go. You haven't lost anyone. You know everything that materializes in the physical world dematerializes. That's just the nature of of the universe. And th- the part in the question about I have no one that needs me there's uh, there's millions of people out there who need you there are children that are starving in Cambodia and in Rwanda and in New York City and in Detroit there are there are things that need to be done there are places that need to be built there are hospitals that need your service there are people who are blind that could would need to be read to there's an within within 100 yards of where you are there are people much worse off than you who are in need of something so you know, the idea, you know, this whole concept of death as something that we are to grieve over and that we are lost. You know, in the ancient people, you know, a funeral was a celebration. It was, like, it was like a shedding of an old coat that, or a pair of shoes that were too tight and didn't weren't comfortable anymore. You let that go and you recognize again, going back to that who I am is spirit, who I am. I came from spirit. I returned to spirit. Know that about yourself, know that about your loved ones and know that those people who are with you will always be with you. One of my, one of my dearest friends in the world was my Uncle Bill, who, who left this world a few years back. I feel his presence all the time. I feel he's he's always with me. I don't feel like I've lost anyone. Mm. And by the way, that's the destiny of all of us. There's not anybody watching out here who doesn't have exactly the same destiny.
0: Yeah. I think it's also the illusion that we think we're alone. Mm. And I think it it makes us do things and yeah. stay with people and take jobs that are not right for us, right? Because we forget that we are all connected mm. and everything influences everyone. It
1: reminds me, Ariane, of, of a story about Mother Teresa. Who, who, uh, when I was in Phoenix, she was in the same radio studio, and uh, and the Pat McMahon, who was the the host of the show on KTAR there in Phoenix, asked her if there was anything that she, he could do for her. Is there anything I can do for you? Please, Mother Teresa. I mean, he's he was an Irish Catholic and here was Mother <laughs> Teresa in the room. He was so thrilled. And Finally, she said to him, there is one thing that you can do. She said, um, tomorrow morning, get up at 4 a.m. and go out onto the streets of Phoenix and find someone who's living there who believes that he's alone and you convince him that he's not. That's what you can do. And I mean, I got tears in my eyes when I heard her say that. It's like, you know, that this idea somehow that we're all alone is like, you know, when, just before I'm being introduced um, for, to give a talk in front of whatever it is, if it's a few hundred people or 10,000 people, and I take the microphone, I always repeat from The Course in Miracles, if you knew, it says, if you knew who walked beside you at all times on this path that you have chosen, You could never experience fear or doubt again if you absolutely knew that. And I always know that I'm not alone. And all I have to do is close my eyes and get quiet and take in a few deep breaths and just go to that peaceful place. And all the guidance that I need is right there.
0: I have time for one more question. This is uh, from a member name called Snow Crash.
1: Snow Crash? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who
0: has found your work extremely helpful and asks, what is the best way to help a spouse who has not been able to make a transition in life to more of a positive way and still sees life as being scarce and lacking. How do you help someone closest to you, Mm. um, really with any sort of life change, and you see them Mm. maybe struggling?
1: Mm. The best thing you can do is not interfere. And to understand that this is their dharma this is and to love them through it i always say loving people through i mean that was the great teachings of abraham with that esther and jerry hicks speak about so so frequently is they talked about people who are on drugs people who are you know who are addicted who are struggling walking on this you know what do i do how can i make a difference and you love them through that you know you don't tell them that they you know the basic problem in almost all relationships is this question or this statement is, which, if, which says, if if only you were more like me, then I wouldn't have to be unhappy with you right now. But looking at someone who's different than you and remembering that this is your spouse, this is someone someone that the idea that they have to be like you and think like you or, or that the, the struggle that they're going through right now isn't something that they have to go through. I watch my children i have eight of them and i watch them as they grow up and i know i could just step in and solve so many of their problems i could just write a check or i could just take care of it for them and say okay you go sit down i'll do it but most of the time i always remember that parenting is is not for people to lean on you it's it's to make leaning unnecessary Mm -hmm. and i think it's true in in a marriage as well or you know it's like You look at that person and you just allow them and you give them a model of someone who's going to love them no matter what Mm. and offer them if if you'd like help i'm i'm here to help you and all that but if this is where you have to be i'm going to be there with you i'll I'll just go through it with you
0: and when coming back to your movie what is the best way to help someone to transition more to doing something that brings them real joy and fulfillment where Mm. There might be a family, there might be kids, there mm. might be bills, there might be a whole structured mm. life involved.
1: Want the peace, want the, want the contentment, want the joy, want the fulfillment, want the, the inner sense of contentment. Want that for them more than you want it for yourself. Mm. Want it more for someone else. Lao Tzu in the Tao Te Ching calls this uh, living the virtues, the cardinal virtues, which are reverence for all of life mm. and simple honesty. And gentleness and serving get your focus off of yourself and on what what's in it for me which is the mantra of the of the ego more 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 what's in it for me and ask the question how may i serve and the peace that you desire for yourself whatever it is no matter what the struggles you're going on in your life want the peace that you want for yourself more for someone else than you do for yourself and just watch and see if you don't align yourself because this is really about alignment, it's really just, it's not about staying in a place of what's missing. Because if you get what you think about, whether you want it or not, and you think about what's wrong, what's missing, what you don't like, what you're afraid of, then you'll attract more of that. If you put your attention on, how may I serve, what can I do for you, helping other people to do, then the, instead of saying to the universe, gimme, 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 you say to the universe, how may I serve? And the universe says back to you, now you're aligned, how may I serve you? And it seems to work. It does for me, anyway.
0: When you, I know you serve all the people who listen and watch this program. Thank you. Tell us a little about the movie. Is being distributed nationwide. People can see it in theaters. Can they, can they see it also online?
1: Um, no, not yet. It's actually a movie made for video. Most movies today are made for mm-hmm. video. Putting them out into theaters is just too expensive a proposition mm-hmm. for most mm-hmm. people because you have to commit to so much advertising mm-hmm. and so on. About 90% of the films now are made for video. So people can purchase it. Um, they can watch it. Uh, it's being shown in, uh, you know, in, in all kinds of centers, churches, and hospitals, and you know, rehabilitation centers, and so it's being shown all over the country. But by and large, it's uh, what we're doing now is just sort of creating a buzz about it and getting people to watch it.
0: Uh, we're happy to help you create that buzz. And thank that you movement. so much, Wayne. It's real so nice pleasure. to be here. For more information on Wayne and his new movie please go to his website at www.ambitiontomeaning.com and be sure to visit his website as well, which is www.drwaynedyer.com. You've been listening to Change Nation. I'm Ariane. For more interviews, more fascinating experts, authors, please visit us on the web at first30days.com. Thanks for watching.